to the Stranger Still podcast. My name is Kathleen. And I'm Miles. And we are reviewing each episode of season four of Stranger Things. This is a rewatch, so this episode may contain some spoilers for all of Stranger Things seasons one through four, though we mostly sti- will be sticking with each episode. Including the one episode that's left after this, the piggyback. So watch the piggyback and then come back to us. Rewatch. <laughs> We're in the home stretch. Follow us on Twitter at StrangerStill22. Subscribe, rate, review us on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you get your podcasts at. I think we're mad fools, the lot of us. But if we don't do this podcast, who will? Chapter 8 of Season 4, Papa. Was that Robin? Robin, yeah. All right, all right. Well done. She didn't say podcast. She just said this, referring to the killing of Vecna. (laughs) But... uh, (laughs) You, know. you mean to tell me that she's not a podcaster? She's well, she might be. Yeah. She might be. Did well, podcasts didn't exist in the eighties, so I'm thinking that she's <laughs> not. They just called it radio back then. <laughs> All right, and so we start Papa off back in the aftermath of eleven sending Vecna to the upside down. Yeah, and we had waited a month. So, you know, it was, there's this big hype for the first time oh, yeah, ever. Yeah, because we are officially in part two. Yeah, we're in part two. May 27th, volume one came out, and then we waited all the way until July 1st for the first time ever in Stranger Things. It was like Christmas in July. <laughs> oh, very good. It, really it was. was. And, but everyone was like, oh, how's Nancy? What's going to happen to Nancy? You know, what's the ramifications of Eleven putting Henry through that wall? But like any episode of Stranger Things, and you've talked about this a couple times. What happened at the end of the previous episode is revisited immediately at the beginning of the of, mm-hmm. of the next episode. Yeah. Reminder, this is where we left off. Yeah. And it's just funny to me that future binge watchers will have no idea. It's just doing what it always does. Except for one episode in season two called The Lost Sister. That's basically it for every Stranger Things episode starts with what happened at the end of the last one. Hashtag one big movie. <laughs> All right. So not only does that happen, but then we get a flashback to Nancy being in the upside down and Vecna is messing with her. We pick up exactly where they are. Yeah. And he's Mm -hmm. and he is taking the form of a younger Brenner Mm -hmm. as he talks to her. It's creepy. His eyes. Yeah. And when he says Nancy, because Brenner should have no idea who Nancy is. So it was just, isn't that right? Nancy. Nancy. And then it's like reverse roles instead of having young Hen- Henry getting the tattoo in the chair. Then we've got Nancy being tied to the chair mm-hmm. with the upside down vines. Ooh, very, yeah. It's like very suspenseful. This season is the scariest so far, by mm. far. Yeah, this this part was creepy because you're really fearing for Nancy, you know, because you're wondering how the heck is she mm-hmm. going to get out of this? Because what song are they going to pull out of the out of Eddie's trailer uh, <laughs> for her? We don't know her musical taste, and apparently Eddie's musical taste is not necessarily compatible. This is music. Yeah, but, but what are you looking for, Bowie, Blondie, Madonna, Beatles, music? This is. <laughs> one of the most <laughs> iconic lines. It's just such a like a, an amazing placement of comic relief because mm-hmm. this is a really scary moment that we're in, and then we just have this like tiny little funny moment. Hol- I love it. Holding up an Iron Maiden tape cassette, and Iron Maiden retweeted that. You really? Know, yeah, with Eddie. Just we agree, Eddie. You know. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. That My really mom cool. was actually a big fan of Iron Maiden. Listens to Iron Maiden. Maybe. That is not Iron Maiden. There's just 
Anyway, uh, so Nancy's in some serious shit. Mm -hmm. And Vecna is... Now he's moving from his backstory and all the download of, of where he's been. Let me tell you where I'm going. Nancy. Nancy. Just love Vecna's voice. What are you doing? <laughs> it's not time for you to go. The time for your suffering. <laughs> like Eleven, he's very direct. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, and so he he gives her the, the mind tap on the temple and mm. gives her the vision of the future, or at least what he wants the future to be. Yeah, after he's just showed her in the previous episode his past, now he's like, this is what you get to look forward to. I'm going to wipe out everything. Yeah, and she's terrified, and she thinks she's going to die, but he reveals that he is going to let her go. I want you to tell Eleven. Tell Eleven everything you see. Oh, yeah, because that's his his real purpose for showing her the future is only a, in a way to show 11. But uh, he then releases her and she comes back and you have this like Steve standing over her as like the savior where she's terrified. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, cause we had a, a moment with her and Jonathan in season one that was like that. Okay. But now she's like back to Steve. I feel like that yeah. is one of the real signs that Steve is now going to like be in play here. He's sharing some trauma with her now. <laughs> yeah. Shared trauma <laughs> relationship. Shared trauma there you relationship. go. That's so healthy, right? <laughs> So they all go, or they don't, they don't go to Max's, or no, they do go to Max's. They go from Eddie's trailer to Max's trailer, yeah. where Nancy details what Vecna showed her to a somber Steve, Eddie, Robin, Dustin, Max, Lucas, and Erica. Ooh, and it is daunting, too. I think I, I just wrote in my notes what she actually yeah. says, because it's so creepy. Uh, dark clouds spreading over Hawkins Town on fire. We saw that. Dead soldiers. This giant creature with gaping mouth, and it wasn't alone. An there army. So many monsters, an army, and then they were coming to Hawkins into our neighborhoods, our homes. Super creepy. Interesting that we we saw the dark clouds spreading over Hawkins and the town on fire, but we did not see a giant creature with a gaping mouth and, or the no. army coming in the neighborhoods. But maybe Which makes it scarier, too, because yeah. like w then it's just left to our imaginations. And then we, as the audience, get to imagine the super creepy creature. And we're left to... So technically, and I was really paying attention to what uh, she said here <sighs> and if any of it was untrue. So far, none of it has been proven to be untrue. The crack in Hawkins, the dark clouds, and then the season ends. So we... Uh, presumably an army could crawl out of there and a monster with mm -hmm. a gaping mouth yeah. could then happen. So nothing that she said is technically not true. So it may have been the actual future. Cause then she says, Holly, Mike, uh, my mom, dot, dot, yeah. dot. She doesn't but say, doesn't say what they're doing, by the way. Ooh, I yeah. paid very close attention to that. Does not say what they're doing. Just says that they're there. That mm -hmm. just says their names. There was something else. So Gates. Yeah. We don't even know what she saw, what she saw Holly, Karen and Mike doing. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe she doesn't say, well, obviously she sees something horribly happening to them. Oh, that's true. It's not <laughs> we, a good thing. Yeah. I see them watching <laughs> we, cheers. Yeah. We just <laughs> don't know what it was, but they make the connections because she says there was gates, four gates mm -hmm. spread across Hawkins. And then Max is like, Vecna's clock. 
It always chimes four times. This whole time he's been telling us his plans. And then they realize that there is one more kill and then his this future will become real. I love Eddie's reaction. Jesus Christ. And Steve's. Try again. Call 11. <laughs> I don't think it says call 11, but like Steve's reaction no. is like, get 11 on the phone. No, they were actually trying to call Will. Well, they, I mean. Oh, yeah. Duh. Because yeah. they live together. Come on, Kathleen. They, they, don't, need, the yeah, game. they don't need Will's help. Okay. <laughs> they, who, <laughs> everybody they, needs Will's help. He's the hero of the Will, story, right? Will can tell them when the mind flare is close as soon as they can also see it. <laughs> And but Eleven is there. Eleven is there. Yeah, listening she's watching the void. them, which is really cool because we have like we are in their reality, and then it pans out, and then mm-hmm. we're in like the dark mind room. Yes, um, I, I always thought that was really cool. But so then Eleven sees them hatch this plan to take down Vecna. Mm-hmm. Well, Nancy definitely. I, I was gonna, you said they hatch the plan. Nancy drives mm-hmm. this plan. Yeah. Nobody wants to do it, and Nancy's like. We have to go back in there. And they're all like, no, 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 no. Eddie especially is like, no, 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 no. Honestly, it's really driven by her and Max. Yeah, yeah. Girl power. Girl power. Because Nancy, yeah, Nancy drives this plan and Max completes it. It has to be me. Yeah. We have to lure him with me. Yeah. And they're saying, well, Robin starts freaking out there. She's like, this guy can kill us with a snap of his fingers. It's not a fair fight. And Dustin says, then why fight fair? We know Eleven's weaknesses. Mm -hmm. When she goes looking for people, she's in this defenseless state. And I wonder if Eleven was like, Dustin's thought about this before? Because she's listening, right? She's like, I'm in a defenseless state right now. Is someone going to come kill me right now? But it also (laughs) gives her that knowledge, too, if she never really, like, uh, thought about about it before. She certainly does now because it's stated plainly there. I wonder if we're going to see that come back. Well, you know, that's possible. But Max, so with Nancy's badass moment of driving everyone there, Max does close at home when she volunteers to be the bait. And the classic Max line, chop his head off, stab him in the heart, blow him up with some explosive dust and cooks up. I honestly don't care how you put this asshole in the grave. Just don't miss. Just try not to miss. Yeah, Try not to miss. <sighs> classic Max Maxism. And you know what? This is like very in character to her because both Nancy and Max are incredibly strong women within the Stranger Things universe. Um, So for her to like step up and say this, especially going through all the trauma she has, you're just like, God damn, Max, you're such a Mm. badass. And Eddie gets the yellow pages, so he contributes as well. (laughs) (laughs) What is he looking through the yellow pages for? They're looking for weapons. And he gets the yellow pages and he pulls up Warzone and he says, we Mm -hmm. could go here if you want to kill things. (laughs) Right. So... That's the next plan. So that well, that's I guess the first step of the plan, right? Yep. So they decide to go to the du- the gun store. Um, Eddie has to wear a mask. Yeah, what while better- he walks through the trailer park, because otherwise, yeah, he's wanted for murder. Yeah. So what better mask than Max's Mike Myers mask from season two? I love that little callback to season two. <laughs> I love the way like we first see it too. He just like pops his head suddenly around the corner, mm-hmm. like very Mike Myers like. <laughs> it's very <laughs> funny to me. Um, so they so they decide, um, well, Eddie knows this plan to go and steal this camper RV from the neighbors, basically, because yeah. he knows how to hotwire cars. Where do the neighbors sleep that night? Well, because they do not get or the next no. night, they do not give that RV back or consider this at all. No. And <laughs> OK. And they can also see through the windows. So mm-hmm. they 
Uh, these kids are going to be in so much yeah, trouble. They at least know Steve. Can they see Eddie? Has uh, he got no, the mask off at that I point? I think or? Eddie. I ooh, know. that's a good question. I don't remember. But they definitely see Steve, and I think they see the other kids. So they know that this group is involved. Mm-hmm. There's got to be some repercussions at some point. Yeah. So Harrington, the big boy, he's going to drive. <laughs> Harrington <laughs> to drive, won't you, big boy? <laughs> this was so fun for me because the song choice, Up Around I'll the Bend by CCR. Oh, I'm so- oh yeah, okay. Come Coming up around the band. CCR is the yeah. perfect, the perfect for stealing an RV in a trailer park. You listen to CCR. That's what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, that's what you're doing. <laughs> um, and it is very like uncharacteristic as far as the Stranger Things. A lot of them, well, not all of the music because they have those old uh, uh, operas going on. True. But most of it is 80s music. And this is what era is this from? The 60s? Well, yeah, late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. CCR. Um, well, they go right into late 60s, early 70s, James Taylor. And when Steve Was and Nancy, it must be rain? the radio station they listen to. Yeah, mm, Fire and Rain. Yeah. yeah. And Steve, Another great choice. And Steve is driving and they have this just talk where Steve talks about the future. And we know, obviously, like his future is including Nancy. Yeah. And he reveals that to her. Is that Later. next episode? Okay. It's the next yeah. episode. Yeah, we didn't jump ahead there. Sorry about that. So he tells her, you know, he wants to have six kids. They want to go on family vacations across the country, which is a really sweet moment. Makes you really seriously start to worry about Steve. Yes, I cannot believe he lived after giving this speech about having a brood of Harringtons and six little nuggets, pack them up in the RV. I, I cannot believe he lived after this speech. I, they purposefully did that. Oh, for they sure. They purposefully did this to like, freak us out then you have lucas um Mm -hmm. the lucas and max speech where he's trying to tell max to (laughs) give a different human sacrifice lucas would like to go back to the school peruse miss kelly's files (laughs) find someone else with symptoms presumably kidnap them, take them to the Creel house, ideally make sure they're still sufficiently mentally broken so Vecna can take the bait, right? <laughs> Is this Lucas's plan? And, and also convince them to go along with the plan. Or kidnap them, like oh, I said. yeah, I guess you're right. You don't have okay, to. Either way, Vecna is going to take their soul. <laughs> I just, I love the alternate reality of, of them accepting Lucas's plan and the Creel house. They walk up Max, Lucas, Erica, and poor little Billy Joe Stringbean. He's like bound and gagged. He's like, oh, help me. <laughs> He's the Vecna bait. (laughs) So, yeah, so we have this really sweet um, speech where she says, I'll just run into the light. Um, You know, she'll think of happy memories. And and you have Lucas saying, well, uh, you know, asking about that. She said she has a happy memory. And he says, was I there? Well, that's presumptuous of you. Yeah, which is also a callback to the Halloween episode, Chapter 2, Season 2. Not just the Mike Myers episode mask, but presumptuous is what Max says when Dustin and Lucas ask her to go trick-or-treating with them. And she goes, well, that's very presumptuous of you. And oh. Lucas goes, and she oh. Does and Dustin go. goes, thank you. <laughs> oh, Remember? Yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> um, yeah, so a couple of callbacks to that episode. Max correctly identifies, you know, it's my mind. I have the home field advantage, basically. Mm-hmm. I have the power, which helped bring full clarity to me of why Vecna is attacking these teens, Chrissy, Fred, Patrick, Max, because they can't, you know, their their minds are, I don't want to say broken, that's, that's the wrong term, but they're, they're very, there's trauma there, and they're, mm-hmm. they're going to have a more difficult time finding happy places and, yeah. and sending Vecna on a wild goose chase. Yeah. And Max correctly identifies, I can do that at least for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, they keep. Oh, let's keep going with them. War Zone. We arrive at War Zone, oh, which is the most my packed. Gosh, this is the most packed store I've ever seen. Yeah, and you can just buy like tons of guns, grenades, like <laughs> yep. crazy like amounts of knives, and there's so many people in there. Like, holy crap, it's like a rally or something. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's absolutely and so many different types of people. There's like a lady with pearls who's like looking at the knives, like, ooh, what will I use to kill the Hellfire kids with? <laughs> I know. I thought that maybe they like all came from Jason's town hall speech to go buy some guns. Oh my guns. gosh, yes, that totally makes <laughs> maybe they did. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. The whole town is in a bit of a tizzy. A bit of a tizzy. But uh, Robin's Crush is there as well, looking Vicky. to buy some mace. Mm-hmm. I love Rob. Or as, as we affectionately call Anne of Green Gables. Anne of Green Gables, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I like that little moment. What I didn't realize until rewatch, Dustin Lucas stay on the bus because they're part of the Hellfire Club. Because the town yeah. is is looking for everybody in that picture. And good thing they do, because Jason's actually there. The whole Jason group. Yeah, yeah all the, the, as you call them, the douche group. The douche, the douche group, brigade yeah. brigade or whatever you yeah, call them. Yeah, and Jason is like, he looks unhinged. Yeah, he's he's gone a little worse for wear. Uh-huh. And then, of course, he spots Nancy right after she sees him. She can't escape. And they just, he gives her like these veiled threats basically uh-huh. about you know like where your brother is and how to shoot a gun and i love nancy's reactions to this first of all she's just face down vecna so go f yourself jason okay right. she was just face to face with vecna mm-hmm. and jason's so condescending he's like you know just like he knows for sure it's the hellfire club they're satanic cult they have the actual power of satan mm-hmm. you know and and he's ceased taking information from there from that point he also thinks he knows everything about guns. You never heard of a sawed-off shotgun, Jason? God. He's like, what you got to do is you got to get something light because someone could just grab this. And Nancy's like... And then he grabs it. Yeah, but Nancy's like, I know. I'm going to saw it off like you would do in any zombie movie. <laughs> and also, she has like tons of experience yeah, with guns, exactly. so probably way more than he actually does. Yeah, I love that nobody comes saves her. Nancy gets out of this by herself. Let she's go. She's badass. She's a badass. This, bitch. this is such a Nancy episode. Mm-hmm. It's un- underrated, you know, because there's so much Eleven and Papa stuff in here, but this is a Nancy episode. She drives mm-hmm. all of this. Yeah, but she's like, okay, I mean, if you look at her, like, her path in life where it's going, she is set to be a very successful woman. She's incredibly intelligent and she's got like a very strong drive to get things done. So naturally she is going to get things done. We're going to plan and we're going to make this happen. Which is why, and I've not revealed this to you. I am no longer team Jonathan or team Steve. I think the end should be Nancy moving on by herself. Oh damn. You know what? I like that. I agree with you. I think that's awesome. I think she should absolutely do that. Although I do love Steve. I'd like to see him get a happily ever after. Well, she's got to commit to six six little nuggets. Oh, boy, if yeah. she wants to be with That's Steve. quite the commitment. <laughs> Why is it going to be six? Anyway, uh, Nancy and... Okay, let's, let's stick with this group for just a little bit longer. We'll come back to them at the very end. But Nancy and Max... Well... Nancy's sawing off the shotgun, and Max asks, is this legal? But we get these little two pairs as they're preparing for battle. Also, like, another way to freak us out, because it's, like, a really sweet event, but it's showing everybody bonding. So, like, Mm -hmm. everybody is in danger, basically, because you have the the Nancy-Max thing. We know we're worried about Max. Then you have Eddie and Dustin having this super sweet heart-to-heart. They're making nail shields and fighting. Hear me now. There will be no no more retreating from Eddie the Banished, mm. even joking. 
You, he, they're still hammering this home. Eddie does mm-hmm. not want to retreat. Yep. And then he says, never change. Dustin has Henderson. Promise me. And then you're like, oh, God, he's going to die. Yeah, he's that, absolutely going to die. That was I was 100 percent sure when he said that line that he was going to die. But mm-hmm. I was also 100 percent sure that Steve was going to die after talking about yeah. six little nuggets. So and then we have the Erica and Lucas when they have their yeah. own little heart to heart when they've never gotten along. And uh, she's like berating him for not being able to tie the knife on tight enough. And then um, he talks about how she's gone to all of his games and she goes, you're still my brother. Just the facts. Yeah. I love that line. It's like her iconic line. Just the facts. I did not notice how much she says that until you started bringing oh, it up. Like, she says it a ton. It's like her motto. And it's also because here's another strong, amazing woman. That is what I love about Stranger Things is all of the women in Stranger Things are incredibly strong. Even Karen Wheeler. Like, yeah. she's really strong for a mother being in a loveless relationship. Like Loveless? You know. Ted is a... No, I'm just kidding. I'm not even going to try it. Uh, and then Robin and Steve, who verbalized everything that we're, we're thinking, which is, I got a bad feeling about this. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think we're going to make it out in time. And I love the acknowledgement that they're still talking about Vicky and the sweetheart, you know, and that maybe, maybe you know, sh- maybe she's got a horn dog brother, you know, who who did who rented that video, the Fast Time Ridgemont High. I don't think so, though. I think that we're right about this. And... Robin literally calls it out. How can she be feeling anything about her crush when they have this world-saving operation they need to to do? But I love that. Yes, because it's like as the audience, and we've talked about this so many times with Stranger Things, as the audience, those are the things that we always get mad about in Mm -hmm. horror stories. Like, why are they focusing on this? This doesn't matter. Focus on staying alive. And she like brings that up specifically. And you're like, hell yeah. yeah. If there's one thing I know about world-ending events and apocalyptic teen novels. It's that romance endures even after the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. In fact, especially after the apocalypse. Yeah. But then to drive things home, Robin says that she has a terrible feeling that it won't work out for for them this time. And then you're like, yep, yep, absolutely yeah. someone's dying. I mean, we knew someone was going to die, but... And they're casually making Molotov cocktails as they have this conversation, <laughs> yeah. by the way, to kill Vecna. Slash Henry. As you do. Slash one. Well, ho- let's, uh, as my favorite line, hop on over to Hopper. Ba-dum-bump. There it is, folks. Didn't hop on. We need a little theme song. <laughs> hop on over to Hopper. That's not it. No. <laughs> we'll, we'll work on it, guys. We'll let's, work let's on all it. Go to the We've lobby. got one more episode <laughs> to fit in this theme song. I should make this huge, elaborate theme song. <laughs> oh, for God. It. Get ready, guys. It's happening. <laughs> so the they we pick up exactly where we left off. The mm-hmm. the demogorgon is loose because Joyce mashed all the buttons <laughs> and they're in the control room and Murray and Enzo are trying to figure how are we gonna get out of here. Mm-hmm. Murray again having no luck. He's got a Russian at gunpoint, and the Russian just they don't care about being shot. They're just no. like, no, I'm not telling you anything. I'm not doing anything. I'm not talking in that walkie-talkie. Yeah. I mean, they're <laughs> stoic, really. Yeah. Like they are very brave. Great. Great HR department for this secret Russian <laughs> prison. They really hired a good team. I really, I really Loyal. like the the heart to heart between Hopper and Joyce. Mm-hmm. I mean, worst timing as Murray points out, even. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but you know, when he was like, "I thought you were dead. I thought I lost you," and she's like, "I did lose you. Mm. Like you were dead to all of us. We had a funeral. Like every like she thought that she lost him and this reunion is just that much more special special because of that. Did anybody show? Yeah. Oh, oh yes. How by the way, how are they going to explain this to the town that Hopper is back? You know, 
we'll we'll deal with that for season five. But mm, yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot of things that need yeah. to be explained. <laughs> we what, have so many questions for season five. You moved over my favorite Joyce line of the of the season, which is no, I've always wanted to visit the Soviet Union. Oh yeah. With Murray. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Gosh, I love Murray. And Murray, of course, right on cue. I hate to interrupt, but it can climb now. Or, or it can apparently climb. And we see the Demogorgon has gone up the no no longer electrified walls. Mm-hmm. And then kills all the guards, Q- kills the mean one. Kills Well, well he, I don't know if he's mean. You, mean, you think the other four were nice? <laughs> I guess I like okay. to think the best of everybody. So there's one mean guard, four nice ones, and maybe even the mean guard at the secret Russian prison that was going to kill those guys might not be mean. This is your this is your official opinion. Okay, don't I take it all back? Don't listen to me. I just love. Don't listen you, to me, folks. You do see the good in people. He t- so they're they're kind of like backing up the demogorgons approaching him. He's telling them, "Don't shoot! Don't shoot!" Mm-hmm. Why why is he telling them not to shoot? Well, I was thinking it would be two things. For one, they've been researching these monsters for quite a while now. Mm. He may realize that shooting, he may already know that shooting them, shooting it does nothing. And that if anything, it'll provoke them. So Mm -hmm. that was one thought. My other thought that I'm thinking more is that their whole mission is to like. Train this thing. Train this thing. And so if they kill it then all of these guards are as good as dead. Just like, you know. I was thinking something. That is the second one I was thinking that too. Like you protect the asset at the cost of your lives and my life. Again, Mm -hmm. a loyal group of prisoners here at the Kamchatka prison. Mm -hmm. If the Russian general was watching this footage, he would be proud. All of his men (laughs) stayed loyal to the Soviet Union. So back in the control room, they hear a commotion from the hallway, and it's like a screaming noise. Yeah. Hopper is like, what is behind that door? And, and the scientist, they've taken, com- the Americans have taken complete control of the control room, and the scientist says, nothing, just a cell block. Oh, come on. <laughs> Loyal. So they go up there, and... It is a demodog that's like its body is splayed open and it's freaking out. It's freaking out because the demogorgon is being shot and it can feel it. Oh, is that? Well, then why isn't the demogorgon freaking out because its body is splayed? Oh, you know what? I get it. So it's not freaking out because its body is splayed open? No, I think it's freaking out because, uh, well, so obviously the whole time it's splayed open, the mm. Demogorgon is probably feeling the pain, but the Demogorgon is getting like actively shot. Oh, So it's wow. like breathing. Okay. That really answers the question. One of my questions here was, why isn't the whole rest of the upside down freaking out as they have this Demodog ripped open in half experimenting on? Because I thought it was screaming because it was ripped open in half. Mm, yeah, no, I think it's because the Demogorgon is being shot and you have this and i've mentioned this in our when we did like a full part two recap you actually feel well i actually felt a little sympathy because it's so terrible its body is literally being splayed open so that they can test on it probably test the connection of the hive mind like you just feel so terrible and so then hopper goes over there and does a mercy shot and blows its brains out or Head off. Does it have brains? Uh, no, it no. doesn't have brains. No. Well, welcome to the USSR, where you feel bad, bad for the Lovecraftian creatures. <laughs> no. Uh, so bullets do nothing to the Demogorgons. I was okay that it, the bullet kills a Demodog at close range. It's basically right. like disintegrating it because it's such a close 
close shot. And the Demodogs are not Demogorgons. You know, they're not as powerful. No, not as powerful. And, oh, and we do see that he is able to shoot them. What is it? Season two when yeah. she's shutting the gates and yeah, he is he's, shooting them off the walls. So yeah, at Demodog. least breaking their yeah. traction. I don't know if he's killing them, but yeah. yeah. So they, then they notice what room they're in and there's a bunch of more demodogs in Ooh. formaldehyde tanks and they're kind of slowly walking around here no oh they they are not the demodogs yeah no the the joyce and hopper and you know they're just kind of walking around looking at these things murray yuri enzo they're all like and then finally murray says what the hell are they doing yeah, which is our question. Like, what is going on here? Also, like, how come the demodogs in the tanks are not alive? Well, I have a perfect theory for that. Okay. I do not know if this is true. What are the what are the Russians doing? That's the big question, right? Yeah. I feel the Russians are extracting, they're learning about the upside down. They are extracting the life force from these demodogs. And where are they putting the life force? In a big tube. Oh. Which is why we see the, the mind flare in there. A lot of people are like, how did they capture a piece of the mind flyer? What with the big vacuum? Ha ha ha. No, they took that out of the dogs. That smoke was in the demodogs, was in the demogorgons. Oh. And because it's their it's a hive mind, right? And when the when the Russian soldiers later in the next chapter shoot that case, the smoke goes back into those dogs and their life forces back. So when the smoke monster leaves Will in season two, is that mm -hmm. season two? Yeah. Um, you don't you don't think that that smoke in there is what left Will then? I don't. I think it's oh. I think it's smoke that they extracted from those dogs, from those demodogs. Okay, that makes so much sense to me, and it's like a question answered because I'm like, what what happened here? Yeah, but I am I am assuming that, that I don't haven't read that anywhere. I think it's a great assumption, and I'm yeah. I'm inclined to say anything that I think happens is not really going to happen. <laughs> no, I th I think it's right because that's what happens in reverse in the next chapter. It goes yeah. back into them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. All right. That makes so much sense. Miles is a genius here. Oh, I got Don't that Don't let that go to your head. I got that recorded. <laughs> Take back. <laughs> cut that out, please. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so they see all this. It's all, like, freaky and messed up. And mm -hmm. and then Enzo finds a tunnel outside, and they escape. It's a sewer, though, right? Um, or maybe it's not. Well, I was inclined to think it's some sort of air ventilation mm. shaft. Okay, that's possible, yeah. Because it does, um, like, the exit is up I, uh, I don't well, i don't know i don't i mean what kind of sewer system do they have out there in the middle of the woods i think it's like an hvac system okay <laughs> it could be uh but enzo ever the bookie gives this 101 odds yeah. <laughs> that it'll lead out they come out but of the in air. this way okay. that's like an encouraging yeah because it's not a thousand to one he gave a thousand to one odds to defeating the demogorgon so this is 10 times better 10 times better 10 times more likely uh, they come out of the sewer or air, what'd you say, HVAC? The HVAC system. Yeah, the HVAC system at the Russian secret prison. And <laughs> they get back into the van and they charge the gates. They break through the gates. The Russians shoot at least 100 bullets at this van. Murray is a <laughs> oh, yeah! yeah. <laughs> By the way, 1980s, machine guns do nothing. But yeah, Murray just, nothing like a prison escape to get your day started. Like, Murray is going off the rails. Murray is slowly morphing into, into Yuri. Yuri. <laughs> yes. Murray, Yuri? Yuri, Murray? Yuri, Murray. Murray. Yeah. yeah, he is not scared. He is yeah. loving this. Yep. And Yuri hasn't changed at all. 
all yeah. because they're asking about a plane and Yuri is just like, oh, I'll get you out of here if you give me a five inch stack of money. What I love about this scene is that Hopper comes in there and is basically like classic Hopper. He's like, shut up and take us to this plane. You know, you're going to get us out of here. But he's actually the good cop because yeah. then Enzo <laughs> takes it even further. He says, yes, or Cox's gun or no. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to kill you now. <laughs> Just, yeah, I like that too. Because and Yuri, so, Yuri did betray all of them. Mm -hmm. But Yuri uh, decides to go the path of life yeah. and it says i will obviously i'll get you out of here he doesn't, we don't see that on screen yeah. but he brings them to his warehouse to show him katinka katinka who named after a real katinka who also had a very beautiful very round buttocks who wasn't a virgin yeah. unlike no, this helicopter that he's never driven yeah he goes she's a virgin not the real katinka no 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 <laughs> but these <laughs> um yuri is crazy I mean, no one would react this way in a situation. I actually found it kind of rewarding on rewatch, knowing that Yuri has this moment of first clarity because it truly is a deflection. Like he is, he is a yeah. messed up guy. Yeah, reacting when we find this out way. in the final episode, which yeah. we'll definitely go over, mm -hmm. like it makes his character make so much yeah. more sense. That he kind of went crazy in war, mm -hmm. basically, for the things he had to do. And, you know, obviously doesn't excuse his actions, but it, he's making everything not serious as a way of coping. You yeah. know, with these stuff and, and of course making money. So his mom is dead, tired of living like a bum. <laughs> I mean, and he's seen things that are worse than death. True, in true. The, in the wars. So. Uh so they say, Yeah, we'll start working on Katinka. Fine. Can we make a call? Can we use your phone? <laughs> yeah. And uh they make the collect call to the states or whatever. And do they do they actually talk to Owen's people in this episode? Or is that next episode? No. So okay. Enzo calls um and he talks to the operator because that's how it works here. Um the USSR. And, yeah, like pretends he's trying to call somebody who's sick in the States and they wait, assuming the KGB is listening to every word that they so say. Talk and that's code. that's basically where we end. So that because oh, that's the end of the that Russia concludes for this episode. Russia for episode eight. Okay. Well, let's go back to Nevada. In the Cali game. Yeah, where we meet up with the crew that we did not see in chapter six. <laughs> uh, we did not see them. They last saw, oh, sorry, did not see in chapter seven. We last saw them in chapter six at Susie's house. Yep. And so they are um, be using Susie's coordinates that oh. she got them to try to find 11. They're searching the map. They're like almost to where they need to go. <laughs> um, Surfer boy pizza. Yeah, what's his name? Argyle. Gosh, yeah. I forgot his name. I'm the worst with How can you forget that name? I know. Argyle sees the Surfer Boy pizza sign, and he's, like, thrilled about it. But I like the little line that he says, Watch out, dominoes. Your dominoes are going to fall. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the back seat, we get what I consider to be probably one of the best scenes of season four. Certainly one of the deepest and most mm -hmm. layered scenes, I would say. And it starts with Will's suggestion that they, after they save Elle, they round swing on over to Las Vegas and she can win them a bunch of money and then they won't have to work and they'll play Nintendo and D&D &D for the rest of their lives. You know, yeah. and that's an important tone setter, I think, for this scene, that, that Will's frame of mind is about recapturing the magic of their youth. That mm -hmm. That is still, I don't, 
one of the themes of discussing this scene for me is going to be, I don't know that Will really knows exactly what he wants. No. It's very tough. Uh, no, but he wants to go back to when things were simpler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right there. And he's also trying to be lighthearted because he can see that Mike is very upset. And yeah. and so Mike responds by saying, you know, talking about Eleven, no, she's special. She was born special. One day she's going to realize that I'm just some nerd that got lucky, that I'm Superman landed on his doorstep. You know, so he is like struggling here, but the real emotion, the real meat of this comes from Will. Yeah, but I do like Mike's just revelation there that he he feels inferior to Eleven and he's worried that she's going to at some point see that. Mm-hmm. And he... I Which is he, why he hasn't been able to say I love you. Yeah, he takes the Superman thing even further. He says, I'm I'm not even worthy of being Lois Lane. At least yeah. Lois Lane is like a superstar reporter. I'm not even that. You know, so it, I that emotion feels very real to me. And Will, I think, does feel that for for Mike. And he said, Hey, no, Eleven loves you. And one of the reasons I think that Will is genuine there is because is because of, of this whole conversation. Yeah. And okay, contrary to what we all thought was going to happen with the painting, he just <laughs> whips the painting right out and boom, we have it right there. And it and he's explaining like to Mike, you're the heart of the group. Without heart, we'd all fall apart. E- um, even L, especially L. And then he goes so much deeper talking like a hundred percent about himself in this moment, but using 11's yeah, name, using and, yeah. 11 Be- because 11 does not commission this painting. No, he says that 11 commissioned this painting, but really this is him and that he made this specifically for Mike. Yes. And we know that because the very first scene of the first episode of season four, 11 says, will is painting something. He won't let me see it. Yeah. But I do think that Will's half truth here does does get to a core like of both his and Eleven's feelings of being different and why they they need Mike. When you're different, sometimes you feel like you're a mistake, and he goes even deeper than that. Mm-hmm. But Will he knows that the way that Mike has treated L does make L feel this way, and how does he know that? Because that's how Mike's treated him. His whole life. Yeah. You know, what we saw in season one of Mike, you know, immediately understanding and being kind to Eleven, which is really one of the hearts of the show, one of the hearts of that first season. Mm-hmm. Mike's acceptance of her, his patience with her. Will has experienced that too his whole life. Yeah. Mike has been like that to Will for his whole life. And Mike mm-hmm. and, and Will misses that and loves that. Yeah. And, you know, I still... Gosh, I before, if you've listened to all of our podcasts so far, I was saying, I don't think this is going to end with, you know, Mike professing his love to Will, like, you know, in season five. Mm-hmm. But then we had this article did you, come did out. Did you mean Will professing his love to Mike? Yeah. Did I say the opposite? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. I meant that the other way around, people. Sorry. Um, but then Noah Schnapp came out with this article mm-hmm. where he's basically admitting it and he says okay i like actually noah schnapp is the actor who plays will 
Yes. Back to the place. Well, thank you. <laughs> I actually wrote down all of the quotes he, he says, because I'm still kind of warring with how they're going to play this out, you know, but he says it several times. And in this uh, interview that he does, it's pretty clear in this season that Will has feelings for Mike. Another one for season four, it was just me playing this character who loves his best friend, but struggles with knowing if he'll be accepted or not. And then when he's talking about filming the scene, this scene was really important to him because it really solidified that truth that he loves his best friend and he doesn't know how to tell him. And then, I mean, it just, it keeps going further and further, but I still feel, I feel like that he really does love Mike, mm -hmm. but it's more of a platonic yeah. love. It's, it's, it's works as love that is going backwards. He wants to go backwards. I don't think he wants to like, I want to become an adult. I want you to dump your girlfriend. I want you to be gay and then be with me. I don't I don't think it's that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But that Will doesn't even know what he wants. Mm -hmm. He loves Eleven. He loves Mike. What he is struggling with is so deep and rich that what he wants isn't possible. And that like circle of disconnect is torturous especially yeah. for someone who's experienced much trauma as he has and and i think the real root of all of this is that he loves mike so much so like he's not just his friend he's not just his best friend he is like so much more than that that it's that what he mostly struggles with is the thought of losing mike mm -hmm. like that is the biggest dilemma for him here and and that's what he fears may happen when he says out loud to Mike that he is gay. Exactly, exactly. And you know, we read or just saw so many, so many voices speak about their similar experiences growing up gay in, in this time, as Will is. Mm -hmm. Because at some point, your friends move on into a new phase that you don't, especially in the 80s. You know, it, being gay doesn't make you different. It doesn't make you any less you know, but unfortunately yeah. the, the world doesn't feel that way. There are no. many people in this world who do not feel that way. And that creates this circle of, of anger and hate and uncertainty. Mm -hmm. So Will is going through all of that. Nothing ever fits. It just yeah. doesn't fit with what, what he wants doesn't fit the world. And it's so difficult for him. And I think it's, I think it is so amazing and so important that the Duffer brothers put this into a show based around the eighties because now in this decade, we're probably the closest to like ex be like accepting mm -hmm. people who are gay or um, non-binary, uh, you know, yeah. LGBTQ. Yeah, closer. Yeah, but there's still people, and it's there's still, but we still have this generation that are now adults that in the 80s mm -hmm. experienced exactly what Will is going through. Yeah. And so I just think that resonates for people that were in that situation in the 80s, like being able to 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 relate to that, to see that on screen, to see that portrayed to the community, like to our society that yes, that really did happen. This yes. is a fictional show, but that is accurate to what it was like for people that were gay back then. Yeah, absolutely accurate. Um, and that, that sucks, but it's true. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I really love the thread and you, you mentioned it, but this is going to be such a big part of season five. Yeah. This is going to be so huge. And I love the thread that the events of season one, which to us seemed a perfectly triumphant story, mm -hmm. actually are tragic for Will, at least 
in the context of his social life. Because while he was in the upside down, his best friend, his love, Mike, moved on to the next phase of his life. While he happened to be in the upside down, Mike met Elle, Dustin met Elle, Lucas met Elle. They formed this new party that Will never really was there at the beginning. They that was his party, and and he like had to mm-hmm. rejoin his own friend group yeah. because they had changed. That is tragic, especially for somebody like Will, who has always been different, as yeah. they mentioned in the first episode. That's, jo- that's what Joyce tells Hopper in the first episode. I mean, this this scene alone makes all of part two for me. Like, I, mm. I, I don't know. It's just, I it, I think it's just going to illustrate what we have coming for season five. I think, like you said, it is going to be centered around Will. Even in um, the Noah Schnapp uh, interview that he does, he says that the Duffer brothers said that season five is going to be all about Will. As it should. I love that. So um, Jonathan watching in the mirror is like the mm, third perfect yes. little part of this scene. Amazing acting. We'll talk about that more when we get to their scene, um, uh, Jonathan and Will's scene mm-hmm. in, in the I next read chapter. in the, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that more. Yeah. God, I'm so excited. Okay. All right. Well, they stop. They get to the coordinates. They're like, uh, there's nothing here. Argyle brings up the fabulous point that <laughs> is Nina a little woman? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Nina's just a small woman. If the small woman is small enough, she could fit behind a small tree. Yeah. I lo- they're all like, how is he still high? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but so, Argyle does find. Yeah. Jonathan's like fed up. He stops the car. He's like, everybody get out. We need to figure this out. Argyle walks up calling out for her. Nina! Nina! Oh, yeah. And then he sees the tracks. Holy macaroni. And it's military tracks. And he's the one that leads them to Levin. My dudes! My dudes! <laughs> God, Argyle is such an amazing character. That's, uh We've talked about this a million times. Stranger Things just has the best cast. Even the smaller characters mm-hmm. are truly amazing. Absolutely. So let's go into the Nina facility. And we come back to Elle, and she has been in cardiac arrest again. How many heart attacks did she have? I do not know, but <laughs> this, cannot, this cannot be good for her heart. <laughs> but she's getting the, the oxygen. She's getting that, and she's relieved. She's mm-hmm. relieved, because, and she's getting more um, visions of the unconditional mo- birth mom love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, she's getting more of that, what we, where we left her in season or chapter seven. I wanted to say something that I forgot to say in chapter seven, which is, when Eleven goes into that tank to find out what happened on the day of the massacre, mm-hmm. she believes that she's going into the tank to remember herself murdering a bunch of kids. Yeah. So, so then to see her face here as she wakes up, relieved, she gives that smile. Like, I, I forgot about why, why she went into that tank. They never told her that she didn't kill them. I just thought that was nice. Just the revelation. And it's like, it's almost like she was born again. Literally, she's opening her eyes to seeing her being born and feeling her mother's love. And she's in in this scene being opening her eyes, being resuscitated, coming back to life, her powers coming back to life. And it's a slow reveal, lifting, slowly lifting and then lowering. Did you think she was gonna drop it? Is that what you're about to ask? I I was kind of wanting something super epic. I thought she was going to lift it slowly and then like crash it with force to the ground, yeah. which she didn't do. But I mean, I, I like 
rewatching it, I like this much yeah. better. And she she brings something down with force later in the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if she had, if she had like brought this down, it's just kind of showing that she is destruction, and yeah. that's not what we needed that's in this scene. That's a great point. That's a great point. Doctor Brenner gives us the science analogy. Mm. We finally get the explanation from the science community yeah. of what is happening here. We get one of these every year. Usually, it's Mister Clark. Yeah. Who gives us this speech at this God, point I hope in the he season? Comes back in season five. He absolutely will. I guarantee it. All right, I'm holding you to that. Um, and Brenner says, "What you displayed that day was beyond anything I'd ever imagined." And I always imagined Henry was out there, but I didn't know—not beyond a feeling. Yep. And then she explains that when she woke from her coma after that incident with Vecna, her powers and her memories were lost. Uh, but Brenner worked with her to get her spark back. Um, but at that time, she awoke something else. Mm-hmm. I love that he, and he admits he doesn't really know what it was. He doesn't mm-hmm. really know that Henry was alive. Mm-hmm. But he also admits to himself he doesn't know what happened there. Why were there a bunch of vines in the walls and then they went away? Yeah. And they're, it, it's always searching for that answer. And then it, we also find that Owens has really been privy to like everything Brenner knew about yeah. Vecna this whole time because in this moment, Owens says that he knew these killings were Vecna as soon as he saw the eyes. So then you think, so Owens must have known about all of the experiments yeah. and everything. Well, because Owens does take over for Brenner, so he definitely had access yeah. to everything. Oh, it takes over in season two. Okay, mm-hmm. here's the part where Brenner does the Mr. Clark science demonstration slash analogy. And he's Ooh, is yeah. it, what Henry is doing, or he calls him one. You notice that Brenner calls him one. In both his, both his scenes here, oh, does not yeah. call him Henry. Um, what He's one taken is doing, away their di- identities. Yeah, interesting. Um, putting cracks in the concrete dam, and he's holding that pencil, which is why the earthquake came in the upside down, mm-hmm. and the pencil slowly breaks, and once there's another one, <laughs> Hawkins will fall. <laughs> and Eleven walks away, and Owens with one of the best oh, lines. Oh, really nice. Eased her into it. Nice and gentle, just like we talked about. Not ominous at all. <laughs> Paul Reiser, praise be, praise be. So Eleven storms off, searches her mind because she's like, okay, like my friends are in danger. So she searches her minds for her friends. She sees Nancy and Hawkins and she sees them doing all of their planning. So she runs out. She tells Owens like her friends aren't safe, explains (laughs) where they're at. Owens is like the serious rock star here. He's taking, he's treating her like an adult Mm -hmm. and he's, taking her seriously and he's going to go and like check on her friends to make sure that they're okay because he knows that she is the hero that they need. So he's willing to do anything mm-hmm. to make sure that she can trust him. Yeah. There wasn't an Owens and the Dagobah system when this happened for <laughs> Luke Skywalker, Star Wars. when he wanted to go save his friends and Yoda was saying, no, you can't go. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is Dagobah though, isn't it? Eleven's like, I got to go. I got to go save my friends. They're in trouble. And Brenner is saying, like, no, you can't. Your training's not done. You no. won't be able to defeat the bad guy because your training's not done. That's exactly what Yoda is telling yeah. Luke. Except for Yoda's a good guy and Brenner yeah, Yoda is not. Yoda doesn't to lock Luke in a tree and stab him with a sedative. So mm-hmm. good differentiation. And so, like, <laughs> Owens is ready to, like, do all these things. And Brenner is like, no, absolutely not. You cannot do this. You're not ready. 
And he actually has a good point in this moment. He says, when one kills, he does not simply kill. He consumes. Mm. He takes everything from his victims, everything that they are and everything that they will be, their memories, their abilities. And we do not know where he's been these last years. But if he's survived this long, we can only assume he's grown in strength. To underestimate him would be very dangerous. Yeah. I think that that is a good point in that it is an overarching we don't know for sure, so we shouldn't do anything. Yeah, it's but that's a good not, point. That's not the way that things should be done. And Owens, Owen says, you know, look that. what happened when mm-hmm. we pushed her. She surprised you, yeah. and you need, to, you need to trust her on a different level now. Mm-hmm. He, and he, Brenner later says, I'll tell you when you're ready, right? Yeah, that's this, that's not how it works anymore, no, Brenner. It's not. Yeah. She is an adult now. It's yep. time to let her do what she needs to do. Yeah. Um. Because he's okay. He's talking about underestimating Vecna, mm-hmm. but he himself is underestimating Eleven. Exactly. At this point. So, like, good advice as good advice as a caution, but not as like a reason to not exactly. go out. Because even Owen says, like, we don't know. Maybe. Maybe you're overestimating. Yeah. Him. Yeah. So. Well, Brenner has two counter moves to this decision that Owens and Eleven make mm-hmm. to go to Hawkins. He has his guys grab Owens <laughs> and lock him in a room. Mm-hmm. And then he takes it, takes it upon himself to lock Eleven in the Nina room. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically makes it a prison, which he explicitly said it wasn't. <laughs> so, yeah, he tells Eleven she can't leave. Um, and that if she does, his men will kill Owens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How messed up is that? And so did you have that fake out when um, you saw like his guys taking Owens? Mm. And then I thought it was the military that the was Sullivan coming. Group. Yeah, yeah, the Sullivan group that we had seen, you know. Yeah, I did. I did get faked out because now there's three factions of U.S. government working against each other. Owens' side, yeah. Brenner's side and Sullivan's side. So when um, when Brenner said like, well, you know, Owens will be killed. I thought he was just like. Like saying like Just you're the consequences. Will it. No, I no, I knew that it was him that oh, had done it. Yeah, I. Yeah. It took me a little while to realize that, mm. but um, yeah. So he's locked her in. Says she can't leave. Um, Brenner tells her that he's gonna decide when she's ready and when they, um, uh, when she is ready, they will leave together as papa and daughter. See, but that is why Brenner is off base here. It, it, they can't just go to solve the situation. They also have to be papa and daughter. Yeah. That doesn't have to be part of this. It's a <laughs> it's like his skewed vision of her being like his daughter, his family, but she's also like his experiment, mm-hmm. his project, his obsession. Yes. Um, it's just ugh. It it just shows how like delusioned he is that he is like making all the right choices. But Eleven tells him that he's not making any of the right choices. This is the confrontation. This mm-hmm. is where Eleven takes a step up in her life. This, it she shows grows that up she's here. grown. Yes, she grows up yes, here. that she grows up here. She says, Mama, he's got an excuse. She was sick. Then she says, Henry. No, no, I- no, 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 no. She, she was sick. She brought a gun to the hospital. The moment I thought Eleven grew up is she goes, Hospital? Yeah. Hospital. Um, excuse me? <laughs> exactly. That was a prison. That's and that's the moment I was like, oh, Eleven fully understands. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, uh and Henry, yeah. Yep. I had no idea. 
uh, what he'd do. I, you know, I cared for all of you. I loved all of you. I was just trying to help Henry. Mm-hmm. This is like a volley. Like mm-hmm. Brenner's lobbing every little manipulative tactic he can yep. at 11. You know, you're the one who let him go. You're the one who let him out of his prison. And then 11, with an elite comeback as usual, no, you. <laughs> yep, it was you. You could not let him go because because she says you had me searching for Henry, which he denies. And a part of me thinks like I think he really thought that he was doing all of the research, but truly like subconsciously the whole time he was looking for Vecna. Yeah, I think he he knows that he doesn't understand what happened there and that it's possible there's still... Hen- he's really searching for what happened there with the Henry thing. Mm-hmm. That's what, I mean, so he, I don't think yeah. he's actually like, Henry's out there somewhere, I gotta go get him. Uh, but and I but I do think that he like felt like he had to know. Yeah, he like had he to had know. to know what happened to Henry. Yeah. And she says, you could not let him go. Let me here. The gate. The mind flare. You know, she's blame. She's bringing up the whole seasons and tying mm-hmm. Brenner to it. I do have a really funny thing, which is the mind flare. Brenner's like, the what? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because he doesn't know, know. like all the know. names that they make for them. I know. It's a, you could not stop. You are the monster. And the emotion from Brenner here, it, yeah. it's real. It's real. He's a messed up guy, but he does care for Eleven. And this like come up and and back at him is is hurting him. Yeah, it is hurting him and it's hurting him that she feels this way, mm-hmm. but I he still thinks that he's doing the right thing by stopping her by not letting her grow up and progress. He just doesn't get that how you do things matters no. as much as that you do them. Yeah. And he he he's always eyes on the prize no matter all the costs. Yeah. And so after that whole speech, you see his emotion and Eleven's like I'm leaving and she turns to and she blows the door out and you think like okay she's just owned this situation mm-hmm. but there's Brenner he's got a tranquilizer and he takes her down you knew it when we were watching you're like oh. I can't see his hands where are his hands no when she <laughs> when you see her like the the shot goes to her walking towards the door you can see it actually in his hand just very quickly and very subtly mm. and I was like oh he's got something in his hand something's gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. And then she lifts him up, and I thought she was going to send him to the upside down just like yeah. Henry, but she passes out. Yeah, she passes Do you think that she was really going to send him to the upside down? I don't know. I don't think mm. that she would kill him. Because there was such a parallel Maybe. to that. I but think she, she would have given up. Well, it also it because matter. she knows she knows like what she did to Vecna open the gate. So I yeah. don't think that she would risk that again. That's a good point. So Eleven wakes up with this neck collar on. The neck collar formerly worn by two. Yep. As a precaution, unquote, <laughs> I very much hope our fighting has come to an end. I know you're angry with me, but it was the only way. And he's like treating her like like yeah. he treated all of the other subjects. But then they realize the military has found them. Sullivan's team has come in and they come down in a pure Star Wars reference, by the way. Oh, really? This, this is the opener to A New Hope. 
to the very first Star Wars scene ever when Princess Leia's rebel ship, they come there, there's a docking thing, the, the guys, the rebel soldiers, they're scared, they get their guns ready, and then the stormtroopers blast in and they do this whole thing and Darth Vader comes out of it. I mean, the only thing this scene needed was the 3PO walking around going, oh, they've shut down the main reactor, we're doomed. You know, it, was, it was the CERN, the scene from A New Hope. And at, like at you explaining that, I can mm -hmm. see that in my head and I'm like, oh my God, Gosh, that is like that exact yeah. scene. I can't believe I didn't catch that. The only question is how exact. I, I would love to see them. I love to see <laughs> them side, side by side. side. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there's a YouTube video already showing that. Though tactically, I do have a tip for Brenner's team. Shoot their feet. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're running with all the shields and their feet are exposed. Mm -hmm. Shoot the feet. Yeah. Anyway, so they Sullivan's team does take over the base. They find out that Brenner has betrayed Owen. So Sullivan goes in there and says, oh, mommy and daddy are fighting. <laughs> but Brenner... <laughs> has escaped through some sort of back door, some yeah, sort of hatch. So there's this back door and he is like going to save 11 because remember in a skewed, mm -hmm. like dark way, like he does think of her as his daughter. And so he's picking her up. He's taking her outside only to find dead scientists all yeah, around because there's a sniper mm -hmm. and the sniper starts shooting at him. But he like, he really is trying to save her in this moment. Mm -hmm. And he get first of all, good cardio. He's carrying Eleven, who is no longer a little little no, kid. No, she's a woman by this point. Yeah. Um, so, he, yeah, he falls. They tumble down. Uh, the the military guy radios into Sullivan, or the, the sniper, yeah. radios down to Sullivan and says, I've got the target in my sights. Mm -hmm. Should I take the shot? And Sullivan's in the room with Owens. Oh, man. And Owens is, like, desperate. Don't oh. do it. We can put her in a coma. See if the killing stop. Just don't yeah. do it, please. The, the desperation in Owens's voice here mm -hmm. is something we just have not seen from him. We know this. He, we know that he knows that this is the only yeah. hope. Now, his coma thing is theoretically solving everything Sullivan is worried about. Uh -huh. Yet, he says, take the shot anyway. Why? Because he's not the best guy and he's not willing to take the risks. Because he thinks he has it all figured mm -hmm. out. He thinks this weapon shouldn't exist and he's making that decision. So he says, take the shot. And like you, you can just see, you oh my gosh, it's so sad. But then come to the rescue, bum ba dum, the pizza truck arrives. I, I love, we've got a bogey or whatever on the, on your right, it says beat up surfer boy pizza van. <laughs> and when the sniper looks back at 11 in his sights, she's facing him. Yeah. But you can tell like Sullivan is like, oh, this is our only chance to do it because mm -hmm. she's going to take us down if he doesn't take it. Yeah. So he says, ignore them. Just take the shot, take, take the, shot, the shot, but it's too late. Yeah. And gosh, well, first of all, she should have just ripped the sniper out of there first and then done the mm -hmm. helicopter. That but would not have been as badass. Yeah. And you know, we don't know how her powers work exactly. Can she truly like grab things like willy nilly like that? So this is an amazing moment. This mm. is the, like with all the, the talk of this episode, this episode is called Papa. This is really Eleven's growing up episode. Yeah. And she, man, she lifts that helicopter and she slams <sighs> it down in one of the most amazing, visually stunning scenes. You binge this thing for 13 hours. You forget what you're watching. This is amazing. This is like the trademark, like, 
best part of the action movies yeah, yeah. is watching this scene. Yeah, and this is a quote unquote TV show. Like, <laughs> yep. Man, this is truly amazing stuff. Uh, yeah. So they're all dead. Uh, the helicopter guy. And she brought the helicopter down into all the trucks. So yep. she really like neuters. Destroyed it all. Yeah. She neuters Sullivan's team mm-hmm. there. Yep. She drops to her knees. Neutered. The boys. <laughs> I like that you said that. Though. Is that right? <laughs> she, they have been I mean, neutered. It, it works. It, works. <laughs> it really does. Um, <laughs> oh, God. I just like glossed right by it, too. I love it. Okay. So she drops to her knees. The boys arrive. And Mike, we have that reunion between her and Mike. They embrace. And then her and Will have this like amazingly sweet embrace. Yeah. And then Eleven feels the collar open. Yeah. Wow. I had just a quick thing about seeing Mike. There's this moment of disbelief for Eleven. She's been in a lot of reality-bending situations. Yeah. And she doesn't realize it's really Mike mm-hmm. yet at first. Kind of similar to the Hopper Joyce reunion. Yeah. yeah. And the shock collar. Tick, tick. And again, Brenner, though he put that collar on her moments ago, <laughs> does do a non-zero <laughs> amount of good. Uh, at the end of his life here. <laughs> yeah. And I'd like to point out the boys look over at him and there's like some mild confusion, mm-hmm. but we have to remember they still at this point think that the Brenner is dead, like because oh, they yeah. saw him dead. Right. So they had like real confusion here. Like wow. that's Brenner and he's alive, but he's dying. What, yeah. What's happening here? Yeah. And Will's never seen Brenner at all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he he doesn't even know who Brenner is. Who's that guy? Right. (laughs) Uh, Eleven goes over to him for just one of the one of the biggest scenes. Now, I'm going to be talking a lot about this scene in our music moment. So we don't have to spend too much time on every little beat. Yeah, We've talked this. I know I don't usually announce the music moment first, but it's going to be the music moment. (laughs) Yeah. And we have like digested the scene so many times, too, in our like part two. Um, episode just truly amazing yeah. uh, Brenner's oh. speech I want you to know I'm proud of you so very proud and then he says w- in his skewed way you are my family my child I've only ever wanted to help you to protect you everything I did I did for you and after what feels like a minute and a half she just says goodbye papa yep yeah I I love I love that they embraced the complexity of this relationship between mm-hmm. Brenner and Eleven. You know, I was really worried that they were going to gloss over his crimes. You know, he lobotomized yeah. her mom. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I'm really glad some lesser TV shows might do that, and then it kind of makes everything look worse. Mm-hmm. But they embrace this complexity that he truly does love her, but that he has done too many things wrong. You know, he, he dies in the dirt because he didn't get the essential point that Mm -hmm. it matters how you conduct yourself in life, not just the results. Yeah. And, and it shows the contrast of like what we've been experienced for 11 throughout this whole season. Is she like still a child? Is Mm -hmm. she still childlike and not like doesn't have any strength or is she moving on and growing up and becoming an adult, becoming her own person Mm -hmm. and 
this is when we see she truly has grown up. She truly is becoming her own person. She's coming into herself, her power, all of that. And as they ride away, Eleven informs him, we have got to get to Hawkins now. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan says, hey, that's 2,000 miles away. And Eleven says, did I ask for a geography lesson, you stupid idiot? Yeah, get she, me to Hawkins. She said that no, exactly. Okay. No. <laughs> I do if love- we don't, they're going to die. Um, still Who's going to die? Who's going to die, L? Who? No, wait. So he goes, L. Who's going to die? <laughs> <laughs> and that's not even the final scene. What right. is the final right. scene well, is yeah. the coolest because it's like so dark. It's the it's actually the Hawkins gang mm-hmm. and they are driving to and arriving at Vecna's house and yeah. we have someday love oh, will find, find you. Uh, and it's um and it's like a slower like building up um, and the crescendo ends with them pulling up and you mm-hmm. see Vecna's house. And then it goes into this like building crescendo and then silence into the credits, mm-hmm. which are like just night sounds. You yeah. hear crickets and owls. and Yeah. I mean, that's the stakes. Who's going to die? Mm-hmm. And then it shows us all of our Hawkins kids. Mm-hmm. And the we actually don't know their plan yet. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. And like the, we could have ended with the eleven stuff. Yeah, we could have, but that that is basically the little trailer for mm-hmm. for the movie we get after this, which is chapter nine. Mm-hmm. Um, this is actually the trailer music for season four. This journey song. Okay, I knew it was yeah. used somewhere else, but I couldn't remember. I knew yeah. you'd know. So it's kind of interesting because season two they did Thriller for the trailer that never showed up in the actual season. Yeah. Season three they did Bab O'Reilly by the Who that never showed up in the actual mm. season. So to have it come back in the in as part of the show was was unique. That's the first time that's happened. Do we see it in the final episode too? Uh, Worlds apart. This song. Yeah. I don't know. Probably. I mean, it's like two well, and a half hours stay long. Stay tuned, and you'll find <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> we'll see. They had to go through all their music. All right. Feeler moment and music moment of this episode, which ironically <laughs> we thought this was going to be a slower. A quicker episode to do. Uh, it is not. No, yeah. this was really hard. Uh, it was like just very impactful. I mean, we've had these amazing scenes, these ma- amazing like connections to like, real life. Yeah, character moments. Yes. Like just, I mean, all the, even the Max and Lucas stuff, we glossed over that, but that mm-hmm. was so amazing. And at Will and Mike's combo, of course, this episode was so good. This is how you do it. And I feel like this was the lesson from Game of Thrones. You don't rush the ending. Right. You've got to build all of this stuff, and that's what they're doing. Gosh, all right, yeah. feeler moment. Yep, so we end every episode with a feeler moment and a music moment. Mm-hmm. And my feeler moment, I mean, okay, let's be honest, the real feeler moment of this episode is the Will and Mike scene, but we've talked so much about that that I just want to pick a much more subtle moment, and it's actually it's when um, Mike and Will and Jonathan and Argyle arrive and they reunite with Eleven after she's just blown up the helicopter. In the shot where Elle and Mike embrace, you see a blurry vision of Will framed in the center in the background. And your first thought as the audience is, oh my gosh, we're going to like feel the like the hurt and the sadness from Will because he's just basically revealed his feelings about Mike, not really revealing them. Um, but it's actually not that at all. You have this wonderful embrace between Eleven and Mike, and then she looks at Will, and Will, his relief yes. and love for Eleven at this moment, it just tells you, like, 
11 is his family. 11 is his sister and he loves her so much to see her safe and alive and okay. It's just portrayed all over his face. It's just such a sweet, Mm. sweet moment to see that he really truly does think of her as his sister. It makes total sense. Like, Will is gay and he has feelings for Mike. That's not the only thing about him. No. It doesn't define him. He loves Eleven and loves his his sister. Yeah. He loves his Mm -hmm. sister. Um, Gosh, it's so good. All right, music moment. This, we got to throw out a name here. Rob, well... It's either Simonson or Simonson. I should have looked that up, and I apologize. He's <laughs> we'll the, cut that in yeah, later. He's a composer best known for Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh. He, he did that. Uh, he was like a co-composer with Life of His Pie. Look him up. He's done a bunch of stuff. He comes in this season and does a couple of things. Does a couple of big things. <laughs> Number one, he gussies up running up that hill. Ooh, okay. Everything uh, I talked about in the Dear Billy episode, that's him. Rob Simonson oh, did that. Oh, man. And that was the greatest use of a pop song in Stranger Things. I would have to agree with you. All four seasons. And here in this episode, underneath Brenner's deathbed, his dirt bed, (laughs) as Eleven is there bedside with him as he dies, is this orchestral part, this version of Eleven's theme. Composed by Dixon Stein, Mm -hmm. but it's redone, remixed here, re-added to by Rob Simonson, Simonson, I don't know, Uh, (laughs) but he does kind of his own version of it, and it is probably the, no, we're on a podcast here, this is the best moment of Stranger Things music to this point. Damn. I shout that from the rooftop. All respect to kids, to eulogy, to the theme, to, to running up that hill. Wow. This is something special. This is Eleven's theme with a John Williams twist, praise be to the king, that with, with strings, with symphonic build. You know, we're so, we're so nostalgic for everything all over, the, all over Stranger Things. But all of these Spielberg-style Stephen King influences we discuss, it, it's not synthesizer music. They have strings. That's what they have. So to hear the Eleven's melody leave the, the normal synth pad and go into strings is something very special. And Eleven and this this theme is just the heart of the show. So Brenner, given the speech here, you can hear that it's, it's still the same type of Eleven's theme, the same sort of pads, the synth pads, but the, the strings are going um, and they're kind of in between the melody. So what I mean by that is the melody is being played by the same basic sound, that electric synth sound that Dixon and Stein did it with. But as she sets his hand down, that's the first time in all of Stranger Things that we get one of the main melodies played with some some stringed instruments. These are cellos here to do this. Not yet here, they're just still going in between the melody, providing tension and flourish building but the strings still aren't doing the melody itself until now and there's that the, that female vocal with it as well so pretty. she says goodbye papa and we get the full swell i call it the force theme because it very much sounds like that the violins all enter just 
that it, it almost makes me cry every time I hear it. I just, and I love, we still got that little Stranger Things, little pushing synth. They're very sweet. Once she's off and she's into Argyle's pizza van, <laughs> we get a new version, a new part of the melody. To me, signifying that she is moving into adulthood. Yeah. A part we have never heard before. It'll be this like, na, 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 na. This, we're watching Brenner die there. This is this is the moment for Eleven. We've got something else in this melody. And the melody, I've brought this up many times. Mm. The Eleven's theme melody is a real loop. It never resolves. And remember, remember I, I called this melody like as if somebody was just, I think it was in season one, just picking out the notes slowly on a piano or electric piano. But here we get at least a, a resolution, a home note. Absolutely amazing. The best music moment in Stranger Things history. I think I have to agree with you on that. I remember, so before uh, doing this podcast today, I went back and I re-listened to our reactions podcast when we first watched this before we watched season nine. And I truly think that this scene with this music was what made us so excited. I mean, mm-hmm. if you guys go back and listen to us doing that podcast, we are elated yes. through the entire um, thing, through the, just the entire it. conversation. Because yeah. we, this is like what the episode ends with. And it's so amazing. And it so perfectly captures where she is at in her life right now in this story that the Duffer Brothers mm-hmm. have created. And if we had time to do another music moment, I would do the Journey song, uh, though that is part of my music moment or music episode called The Music of Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. I covered that, the, all the trailer music in there. Oh, nice. But between this song, which you get like the full three minute version of while Brenner dies, and then the Journey <laughs> Strainer's Things remix, there's like six minutes of amazing music that closes out this episode. It, re- it really is. Like, <laughs> seriously, everything about Stranger Things is so perfectly executed and thought of. Like, Crafted they never miss a single detail. They it's just insane. Don't. And we do not have a final question written down, but I think we're over time anyway. What, my final oh, question is, what did you think of this episode? And let's go beat amazing. by beat. That was absolutely amazing, hands down. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We will be back for the piggyback, Mm. and we're going to do that in two parts, part one and part two, and we'll have our season four awards, of course, at the end of of part two. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be soppity. Yeah. Good night.